When Pratik Kuhad moved from India to New York to study economics at NYU, there would have been almost no predicting that he would soon become one of the most popular singer-songwriters back in India. Welcome to The Third Story. I'm Leo Sidrin. It's an old story. Sometimes we have to leave home to find ourselves. Pratik grew up in Jaipur listening to Indian pop and Bollywood music along with a handful of international records that his mother had in the house by artists like Harry Belafonte and Cliff Richards. But it was his experience in America listening to singer-songwriters, Americana and new folk artists like Elliot Smith, Fleet Foxes, and Laura Marling that ended up influencing his style. Today, Kuhad performs for tens of thousands in India, and his songs have tens of millions of streams, making him one of the most streamed domestic artists in India. His song Cold Mess was featured on an episode of Ted Lasso, and it was also included on Barack Obama's favorite music of 2019 list, alongside Lizzo, Lil Nas X, and Bruce Springsteen, among others. I wish I could feel my love, but my heart is a mess. My days, they begin with your name and nights and with your breath. I wish I could leave you my love, but my heart is a mess. My days, they begin with your name and nights and with your breath. With your Kuhad's intimate, heart-on-your-sleeve lyricism in both English and in Hindi have come to define his style. He's a specialist in earnest, direct, and sweet love songs. For example, he released a new single earlier this summer called Hopelessly in Love, which was part of a deluxe version of his 2022 album, The Way That Lovers Do. And nothing felt safer So silently we fall I wrote it on paper Cause it's all I've really got You You have me hopelessly in love You You have me hopelessly in love And though he may be India's most popular singer-songwriter, that's according to GQ magazine, he's been spending more and more time in New York, where, like so many international celebrities before him, he's able to hide in plain sight. He took the subway out to Brooklyn earlier this summer to talk with me about his journey from economics grad student to superstar songwriter, the differences between writing in English and Hindi, the universality of romance music, and how no one was more surprised by his success than him. Visit third-story.com to see the full archive, hundreds of conversations with artists and creators, including other singer-songwriters like Ron Sexsmith, Martin Sexton, Jesse Harris, Jorge Drexler, Peter Himmelman, Theo Katzman, Imogen Heap, Boz Skaggs, Jonathan Brook, Duncan Sheik, and many, many more. Then it's patreon.com slash thirdstorypodcast to help us clean up this cold mess over here. And finally, The Third Story is made in partnership with WBGO Studios. Visit wbgo.org slash studios to find out more about all their award-winning content. Leave a review or a nice rating on your favorite podcast app and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Here's me and Pratik Kuhad talking it down earlier this summer. Pratik Kuhad? Yeah. How, do, how, how would you say it? 
in I would Hindi say, uh, I guess it's like a little bit of like an accent difference. Yeah. Right? That's about it. But you're pretty close. It's just Pratik Kuhad. Kuhad. When you came to New York originally to go to college, mm-hmm. did you find yourself having to explain your name to people? Oh, yeah. I still find myself explaining my name. I have to admit, I recently became aware of your music. Mm-hmm. And when I learned about you, it was one of those light bulbs that goes off as a reminder to us who try to stay informed about music that it's quite possible that there are artists all over the world who are extremely popular, who are making music that would easily connect here and who we might not have heard of. And I think that you're positioned right now in a moment in your career potentially to be one of the first Indian artists to cross over in the United States. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I guess from the beginning, that's kind of one of the things that I did hope for. For one, like you said, like nobody's ever done it before. But then even in general, the kind of music I make, it always felt like the audience within India was limited. Mm. Although even that is a perspective that kind of changed. Because when I started doing it, there was a certain kind of music that was really popular in, in India. And now with just like the newer generation of people, that definition of what is popular has really expanded and grown a lot so over the last few years like I mean I got really popular in India as well and now it's just about like I guess just fundamentally I wanna just reach as many people in as many parts of the world as possible you know (laughs) even if the music that you're making is a sort of minority style of music I mean we're hearing that India is the most populous country in the world right now Mm. So even if you're making pop music for a smaller portion of the country, you still have a massive market. It gets really complicated when you start thinking about it in this way in terms of numbers and stuff market, like that yeah, yeah, and yeah. markets. But I think a good song really just cuts through like everything, Yeah, you know. So I'm just, that's what just I keep trying to do, like make a really, really good song that yeah. just cuts through all of this noise, you know, yes. whether it's where you're from or language or genres and vibe. And you'll see this, like, even if you just look at songs across history, like every now and then when there's an outlier in terms of what is the current trend versus what gets popular or what, like, a song that does really, really well could be, like, completely new, you know? Well, that's what they say, right? Like, a hit doesn't sound like what's popular right now. It sounds like what's about to become popular or what will be popular in the future. But, you know, I feel like we, as humans, try to find patterns and find meaning to things and end up complicating it a little bit and I do it myself sometimes you know but I think you feel it when you hear it when there's a really really good song and that's something that'll kind of hit just humanity at some level Mm. and that's what ends up you know in a place where everybody or like a large portion of the people like it okay so let's talk about the role of really good songs in your life then you grew up in Jaipur? Is that where you grew up? Yeah. No internet in your house? Till a certain point, yeah. What was the music? What was the culture? What was life like in your house? Most of the music came from TV mm-hmm. and films in India. And even now, I think like music that comes from film, like basically, which is Bollywood, is some of the most popular music out there. And it's really connected for India to kind of consume them both together you know film and music yeah 
so every time there was a massive film that came out usually that soundtrack would do really really well and sometimes the other way around like sometimes if a soundtrack did really really well that film would do really really well so that's how just like all the biggest pop music of that time and i was pretty young was like that i guess i was lucky like my parents listened to a lot of uh, especially my mom listened to a lot of uh, english music as well there was a few artists like Harry Belafonte Shake 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 Sinora shake your body liner Shake 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 Sinora shake it all the time Work 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 Sinora work your body liner Work 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 Sinora work it all the time And Cliff Richards She's just a devil Those are two in particular that I remember. I mean, I'm sure there was more, but I remember just learning a lot of songs from both those artists when I was like five, six years old. And then as I grew older, there was a lot of like music that my sister introduced me to, who was older than me. Classic rock and bands like Nirvana, which led me to listening to a lot more like metal, even mm. like Led Zeppelin and classic metal, Black Sabbath. and then by the time i was in my teens internet had kind of come around yeah. and suddenly we had access to mp3s and stuff like that there was still no streaming but there was a lot more music all of a sudden like both english and hindi and like local and international and all kinds of stuff and what kind of kid were you what kind of person were you what were you into i don't really remember very clearly <laughs> to be honest i hear that like when i was really young i was a pretty hyper kid uh uh-huh. like just a lot of energy and other than that just pretty regular kid man you know just yeah. went to school and hung out with my friends and you know try to do well in school and like not fail i guess you yeah. know uh in my classes what did your parents do my father is a lawyer uh-huh. and my mom she like uh, was definitely mostly a stay at home mom yeah. in a beginning but she also simultaneously did a bunch of stuff like she used to work with a lot of like women's health stuff like mm-hmm. there were some institutions helping women like rehabilitating women mm-hmm. she had a school she started a school for underprivileged kids mm-hmm. and she had an art gallery so she was mm-hmm. just doing a lot of like these things on the side throughout it she still does It sounds like in a way actually watching her do what she did was a first model of somebody who could sort of choose to do something and devote themselves to it. Yeah, actually both my parents because even my father uh, although he's a lawyer yeah. and in India is pretty traditionalist. Yes. Now it's changed a lot but especially like my parents generation it was like you kind of did what your parents did and mm-hmm. married who your parents asked you to. Yes. And these are both things that neither of my parents did actually because mm. they kind of like both uh met in college and decided to get mar- married. It was not an arranged marriage which is uncommon at that time. And my father also comes from a business family so everybody kind of expected him to do that and being a lawyer in India at that time in like the 70s was kind of absurd. Mm. So he also just kind of rebelled a little bit and did it. So it's just I don't know. I guess both my parents also just always me and I have two elder sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were always just like given this uh, the freedom to do, to to do whatever we really wanted to do, honestly, with our lives. But still, you started out on a path that was a little more traditional. You came, for example, to study in in New yeah. York, as I understand, to study yeah. economics or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I did math and economics and. college because i just 
I don't know. I liked music, but I just never thought. Did you sing? Did you sing at home? Did you? Sing? Yeah, I used to sing a lot. Like yeah. I've been singing since I was a kid. Yeah. I used to just sing really. Yeah. Like when I was five and six, I remembered so many Harry Belafonte songs mm. and Cliff Richard songs and other like random like Christmas carols and mm-hmm. stuff like that by heart. When I started playing playing the guitar, which was quite a bit later, when I was sixteen, is when I started to really, uh, you know, write songs. and that's when i think the songwriting is what really got me mm. like when i started writing songs that that felt like a really special experience for me and i wanted to do more of it so what were those songs like because there's so much that's made in your narrative about what you discovered when you came to new york the music and the artists that you discovered when you mm. came to new york but if you were writing songs at 16 17 what were the songs like before you got to new york and had that experience there weren't that many I yeah. did write a couple of songs in high school but that was just like the beginning. Yeah. I did write the majority of my songs which yeah. kind of when it started like kind of happening pretty frequently was in college. But even in school like I remember like I think one of the first few songs I wrote was about a breakup. Actually like I got dumped by a girl. So <laughs> I got really like upset about that and that was one of the first things I wrote with like words. Before that I'd hmm. done a bunch of like instrumental stuff, yes. you know, just kind of like with guitars and other stuff like Melody, producing yeah. at home. So you get to New York, you're studying economics and math. And what happens? Who plays you what? Who takes you where? What do you experience that changes things for you? One pivotal thing that happened was that I was friends with uh, a musician and he kind of one day gave me this in, the entire discography of Elliot Smith which is not so large actually because Elliot was not with us for so yeah. long it was not so, it's not that large but i had just never heard elliot smith before yeah. i don't know i think he was playing me one of his songs or he was playing an elliot song and yeah. i was like man that's amazing yeah. and i was like oh you've never heard elliot smith i was like no so then he gave me the entire discography and i got really into it i pretty much heard like i think throughout one semester i was only listening to elliot smith yeah. So that really got me into that like just writing a lot you know after that I started writing a lot more I feel like Hitting the feelings that you made hard but it's your heart not mine that's scarred so when I go home I'll be happy to go you're just somebody that I used to know What was it about the sound of Elliot Smith and the mood of Elliot Smith that that got you? I don't know, it's hard to say. It just really uh I thought the songwriting was just beautiful, like the words and uh I was really fascinated by a lot of his like harmonic structures, like just chord structures and very unique like chord progressions which are not the kind of chord progressions that make songs that are popular, yeah. you know. and yet he had a couple of like pretty big uh, hits at the time yeah so i found that pretty interesting um the sound of those records too that dry especially for the time that he was making them dry yeah. and doubled was like a, a very iconic yeah. sound you know there's a lot of things yeah a yeah. lot of stuff and actually like he's known for all his acoustic really bare songs yeah. but you know like the song like king's crossing for example is like really big yeah you know with all these different sounds he was also like he just played everything himself mm-hmm. uh i think it was like either or where he literally is 
the entire band. Yes. Like he played the bass and the drums and the guitars and the vocals and the harmonies. Pretty much produced the whole damn thing. All you can do now is watch the shells. The game looks easy. That's why it sells. Frustrated fireworks inside your head. Gonna stand in the middle. Dark instead. The method acting that pays my bills. Keeps a fat man feeding. In Beverly Hills, I got a heavy metal mouth. It holds obscenity. And I get my check from the trash treasury. Because I took my own insides So I don't know, just like the more that I got into the story, uh, it just uh, got really into it, and then that kind of like segued into more folk music. Because before that, I was never into folk. I mean, I'd heard Bob Dylan and stuff a little yeah. bit, but I got really into, you know, uh, there was also a kind of like folk revival happening in the UK at the time with yes. Mumford and Sons yes. and like Laura Marling. There was another artist called the Tallest Man on Earth. Yes. A lot of my guitar picking style came from just doing a lot of his songs mm. because he did a lot of like this picking style is called like Travis picking and it's pretty common like everybody in folk does it. Yes. But uh, started doing a lot of that, so I don't know. I just gravitated towards this world of music at the time. Well, I walk upon the river like it's easier than land. Evil's in my pocket and your will is in my hand. Oh, your will is in my hand. So you're in New York, you, you sort of have this, I don't know, this ex- explosion of inspiration you, that opens because of Elliot Smith. You're discovering folk music and new folk from England. And then did you start playing gigs in New York? Were you going to open mics? I, I never went to an open mic. Yeah. <laughs> I was too scared, honestly, to go to an open mic. But uh, I started to play shows, yeah. Where were you playing? Uh, really small venues, like I, you know, like, Village Underground. Yeah. Uh, like, I think, like, LPR has, like, a, this tiny room at the the basement where, yeah. like, nobody nobody goes there, actually. <laughs> and this is, like, 2010-ish? Uh, 10, 11, yeah. yeah. 10, 11, 12. <laughs> Rockwood? Yeah, but I actually played Rockwood much later. Yeah. Not during my college years. You know, there are two references that I don't hear you say, but that I hear in the music. I mean, there are a lot, mm-hmm. but one is Paul McCartney. I wonder if the Beatles are just so ubiquitous. They're just so in the air for us that we I pick it so. up even yeah. without intentionally picking it up. Because there's something about, especially in his higher range. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you use your higher range in your voice a lot. And there's a sort of a sweetness mm-hmm. that reminds me of Paul McCartney sometimes. Oh, we Yeah, a lot of people have told me the Beatles, actually. Yeah. And I love the Beatles, but uh, no, I never, like, got into the Beatles, like, you know, I was yeah. listening to the entire discographies, yeah. like, months in a time. But I think you're right. I think it's just, with the Beatles, they're just so, I mean, just probably the most influential band ever, right? Yes. And 
it's just everywhere <laughs> yeah you know i think yeah. everybody is kind of like yeah. influenced by beatles in yeah. some way or the other and then the other i mean there were a few but like the one thing that i thought about was ben gibbard love of mine someday you will die but i'll be close behind i'll follow you into the dark no blinding light or tunnels to gates of white just our hands clasped so tight waiting for the hint of a spark if heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs if there's no one beside you when your soul embarks then i'll follow you into the dark there's something about that and then some sort of scandinavian writers mm-hmm. also like titur and oh, i've been haunted by this old ghost before i want to hear your voice you know it's been so long You sort of belong to a global community of people that sing with this sweet, mm-hmm. earnest male folk delivery. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never heard it. I don't think. Not that I'm that familiar with Indian pop music, but I, mm. I, I don't associate it with any you know, contemporary Indian artists. There's very few songwriters in India that write in English. Yeah. Ah. That are like, uh, at least that are popular. Yeah. There's almost like, there's very, very few. Yeah. If weirdly, English music is really popular in India. Like, And you, you have a relationship it, with England, a deep relationship. That's yeah. Co- colonial in, in root. But yeah, it, because of the, uh, you know, uh, because of the colonization, like, you know, English was just a mandatory language for everybody to learn. And then it just kind of stayed like that. Yeah. So I went to a school that was, uh, the instruction was in English. Really? And you had to actually, like, speak in English. In school? In school, yeah. And do all your take tests in English? Everything in English. I mean, there was uh, Hindi as a subject also. So obviously in that you were not. But when it came to everything else, like economics or math or, like, sciences and stuff... Everything had to be written in English. Everything had to be, like, done in English. Hmm. So if you went to, a, like, a, a school which, you know, had, like, the instruction in English, which is fairly common in India, in certain parts especially, then you you know the language pretty well. So is it more l- unusual to write in English? I mean, you say that there are very few songwriters who are writing in English, but if the edu- so much education is happening in English, why is the songwriting happening in Hindi and all the other languages? Yeah, I mean, this is a complicated question to answer, but uh, even though the instruction is in English, it's it's more for like a certain mm-hmm. uh, urban section of the society that's educated. And education now is growing <clears throat> over the past 10, 15 years. But for the longest time, education was not, you know, very prevalent across India. If you were educated, then yes, you you will probably you will definitely know English actually. But if you're not, which is still the majority of the country, you know, uh, then your English is not very strong. And also, like even though we did speak English in school, 
everywhere else we are still you know speaking in whatever region of the country we came from you know and which is also a bunch of different languages regionally you could be speaking hindi or tamil or what were you speaking i was speaking hindi because i was from the north and i always got the sense also that english exists always in conversation with with another language like english gets mm-hmm. peppered into hindi and it peppered yeah. into tamil and peppered into the yeah. the sort of the slang and the argo that people are using they're yeah. slipping in and out yeah. of english yeah so it would almost make sense to write bilingual songs in that case yeah and that happens sometimes but this is a i mean it's a good question and yeah. i don't really know the answer myself to be honest because even though there's a lot of english out there at some level i think culturally like you know it still doesn't hit as hard sometimes to the masses at least like an english song yeah. does not translate and we're still like majority of the stuff i mean there's also so much stuff in regional languages yes. that's the overwhelming <laughs> majority of stuff that you listen to and watch like yeah. the biggest films are like like the film industry is completely in either hindi mm-hmm. which is like the north or you know in Tamil or Telugu, which depends on like which South Indian language you're coming from. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. This is, <laughs> I feel like this is like a question for a political scientist, but like <laughs> so many of the questions that I was starting to think about before you came are sort of sociological and sociological, political yeah. and nature. Mm. And I think it's because you sort of put yourself in the position to receive these questions <laughs> as one of the few representatives, yeah. a, you know, a singer-songwriter yeah. tradition in English coming out mm. of India. You're well within your right to say, "Hey, man, I'm just trying to write a good song." And, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I love getting nerdy, to be honest. So yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, yeah. mind. But I mean, I, it's it's a question which I've been asking around actually yeah. people around me in the music industry in India, myself and myself as yeah. well. And I don't have an answer to like. if you look at streaming numbers for example yes. like uh, there's a lot of artists from outside of india who you know write english songs like ed sheeran's really popular in india like taylor swift's really popular artists like ed sheeran's like one of their biggest markets actually streaming wise is india mm. just because india has such a massive population yes. and a lot of people just listen to pop songs from all over the world so yes. any pop song that or like hip hop and stuff that like makes it really big here ends up like being popular in india as yes. well especially in like clubs and like you know in the cities especially and a certain section of like indian society but yet there's nobody from within india who writes in english right that has ha- ever had like a song that's been mass like i think like i had like cold mess which became really really popular yes. but even that never hit absolute mass for that matter well yeah. i was going to ask you that so your you know your streaming numbers are pretty astounding you look at a str- at some mm. of the songs 67 million i think is your big on spotify is your biggest hit mm. obviously it's not uh, a billion you know you mm-hmm. look at some taylor swift or yeah, billie eilish yeah. and it's yeah. like a billion it'll yeah, drive yeah. you crazy if you start to play that game but 67 million we're talking about some serious numbers here mm. are you famous in india yeah yeah <laughs> i mean can you walk down the street yeah yeah i can walk down the street but like i'm definitely it's it's hard to explain the indian music market because yeah. it's pretty divided yeah. in the sense there's a whole like you said because it's such a massive country yeah. there's a small percentage of people who are you know mostly from the cities yeah. they're educated they've gone to schools with you know whether instruction was in english so they've yeah. grown up listening to a lot of english music and hindi music both so they kind of like both styles yeah. and both kinds and language is like actually not that much of a differentiating factor so they really clued into the indian pop culture but also like global pop culture and 
that section of society even though small in percentages is really large and ends up kind of being concentrated you know like they'll kind of go to the same bars the same restaurants yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like a bubble yes. within india and within that bubble That's like bubble. i'm pretty well known yeah. so you know if i go to a regular restaurant in new delhi or something it's pretty the chances are high somebody will recognize me there and uh, so it's not like i'm not like you know i mean like bollywood actors and stuff are really really famous for yeah. example like they cannot walk down the street because they will get mobbed yeah. so that doesn't happen to me but i definitely get recognized all the time i get recognized in like new york as well just cuz there's so many indians here so like so a lot of times i'll be walking down the street and somebody will stop me and ask me for a photo is there something do you think that is uniquely indian about your approach one thing that i see is that you are really a romantic love is a very international and universal subject mm. matter but you certainly have cornered the market on love songs <laughs> you break away if i tie my heart strings to you baby and every day i want to see your perfect body right beside me baby i want you to know that i did try to makes me wonder if like india is a particularly romantic place if there's a kind of a fixation or a uh, preoccupation I mean, with romance i think i think everybody's romantic like i don't know a place in the world that's not romantic or yes. a little bit obsessed with romantic yes. like every all of pop culture is full of romance actually yes that being said yes yeah india definitely likes romance <laughs> <laughs> but do you think there is beyond that then is there something that you would identify as like belonging to your indian identity or or that part of yourself that you bring to it i don't know man i don't really think about it that much like obviously i'm very very indian in a lot of my yeah. uh a lot of ways because i am indian like yeah. i grew yeah. up in india and spent the first 18 years of my life there and then i was in new york for a bit yeah but then since then i've been in india again so i'm yeah. i'm just i'm you know which brings a lot of like certain cultural quirks to your personality and stuff like that but i'm not really aware of them beyond a point you know i mean other than the fact that i look clearly indian and i guess you know my accent is indian and but not when you sing yeah it's like the beatles they're british yeah. but their accent is like completely american i think it's to do with like what you listen to you know you just kind of instinct I, mean, i don't even know i don't really control it but because i just heard so much music in like you know mostly like american accents Uh, it just kind of became like that it's such an odd phenomenon that you know you were educated in english but this is the accent that you were educated in but when you sing the ac- yeah. it's like you sing in the accent that you were musically educated in i i don't think it's a very unique phenomena i think people don't realize that like the american accent till uh, a very long time pretty much pervaded pop culture Yeah. Like all the bands coming from like UK like I just gave you the example of yeah, like yeah. the biggest band ever Beatles they're yeah. from like the UK. Yeah. And they don't sing in a British accent. Yeah. Why is that happening? Because they were trying to sound like black blues musicians originally. I mean they that that's what they were influenced by. And yeah. then now you see a lot of British musicians like Ed Sheeran and yeah. they actually still have a British accent. Yeah. Like now it's changing. For for the longest time yeah. I feel like it's just instinctively you listen to the like how you become a musician is by learning songs right 
and then whatever accent that is your mind just kind of automatically yeah you know learns that yes so i don't know i think it's just like that's that's why it happened to me it's a little abstract but it's like the the accent that you sing in is the one that you learn you know when you're learning songs you learn the accent of the songs that you're mm. singing and music itself is a kind of accent we call it style or whatever mm-hmm. but they're, but ultimately they're kind of accents mm-hmm. like the Elliot Smith accent is sort of something that you yeah, picked up yeah it's that, subtle but yeah, yeah yeah when you write in hindi is the experience of writing songs different are you able to express different ideas uh, i don't think so i think it's pretty similar yeah and i think this is, again goes back to uh just growing up you know at least with me yeah i can't speak for like everybody else but i just consumed a lot of stuff in both english and hindi whether it was like film or music and even conversation on yeah. a day to day basis was a bit of both you know at school we were speaking a lot of english but also like that was during classes yes. when we were hanging out with friends there would be a lot of hindi at home it was again mixed you know sometimes it'd be in english so i just i think i just i even when i'm thinking it's kind of both languages depending on yeah you know sometimes i'm thinking in english sometimes i'm thinking in hindi is one more musical <laughs> it's it's pretty like it's pretty similar like yeah. and i never really think about this stuff too much you know yeah. so it's just kind of there like both languages are just been pretty equally there yeah. in my vocabulary growing up even when i write it's kind of like that i guess like musically it's weird somebody pointed this out to me i was working with a producer a couple of days back and uh, we were just talking about how melodies can be kind of different in indian music yeah. versus like you know a lot of different places and he was saying how like he listen to my hindi music and there's a certain melodic flow which is feels like it's a hindi song and he never found that in my english music and maybe that's just something i'm doing instinctively but i don't really realize it This is why I say music has an accent also mm-hmm. just like singing does. I mean that's kind of what he's saying. It's like oh the Maybe. music yeah. is sort of has its own accent. Yeah. So when you went back to to India after college, mm-hmm. that's when you really started to become an artist. Yeah. What did you do? I just made a record. Did you just get did you have musician it. friends? Did you hire a producer? What what did you, what how I did, produced how did you it myself. Yeah. I didn't have any musician friends. Yeah. But I had one manager who was working with me at the time. and just randomly through people i mean there was one bass player i played with at the time and he he was on my first record and i just messaged him on facebook because i knew about him from the delhi gig circuit yeah and he was like the only guy who played the double bass mm-hmm. and i kind of wanted the double bass so i just texted him on facebook and he was like yeah sure so that's kind of how i found people 
and then he introduced me actually to a drummer he used to work with nikhil vasudevan who i actually still work with mm. today and yeah i just got in the studio and like made the first record that i made and you know and what was the experience do you remember it being pleasant was it stressful no it was really nice yeah it was really fun it, it was not the, stressful it went sort of as you had hoped it would go yeah i mean there was a lot of anxiety around like what will happen later but when i moved back i was like okay i'm just going to give this a year and see see how it goes so and then i just had to like you know do all the things that one needs to do to put a record out and were your parents supportive yeah yeah so you did all the things which included putting a record out independently in india what what did that mean make the record and then uh, just put it out on streaming independently yeah. then started to try and get some pr and stuff you know so you just literally like me and my manager would like hit up uh, all the newspaper outlets and like media outlets and stuff and just cold email people cold email reviewers you would try to get playlisting back then especially on spotify like playlisting really did a uh, and all the playlisting was not official spotify playlists they were like uh-huh. these users yeah yeah random people who had playlists yeah that had a lot of followers yeah so i i would just message them on spotify directly and you could pitch their songs to them so i would just message like hundreds and hundreds of like people just like hey check my song out and then through that i remember one time like oh love got put into like a user playlist which had like mon- mon- millions of followers that kind of helped so like just small whatever just online go find out like how do you pitch how do you who do you send your music to uh shows then we started doing shows alongside as well trying to get shows trying to get festival slots just uh everything by the book man you know yeah. like whatever you can really do to get your music out there do you think that your personality in some ways was helpful that you had an outgoing personality you were willing to sort of put yourself out there and say I, like check me out i did not have an outgoing personality you did all. not no <laughs> <laughs> i was really really socially anxious really yeah are you still so i was super awkward with most people uh, now not really i mean i'm still like socially anxious a little bit but i guess like nobody can tell but when i was younger then it was pretty obvious and i found it hard to like be really extroverted and like i could never sell myself for example so i could send messages and stuff because that was like not me actually having an interaction but like actually in like social situations work situations or something you know it was my manager doing all the talking like i could just never i can still not like sell myself i mean my manager did whatever he had to do I mean I message people to just be like here's a song check it out you yeah. know there was never like anything else it was just more about like let me just do everything that I have to do that I'm okay with doing you know and how did that record do but that record did really well actually it did. I mean in its small context of yeah. like the indie universe in India it did pretty well I started getting a lot of festivals a lot of shows so that first record actually gave me the kind of confidence to be like okay you know clearly i suddenly had like fans like very few but like i would yeah. play a show to like you know for like 100 people and i would get like sold out and everybody would know my songs there and you had said to yourself i'm going to give it a year so at the end of that year or the end of that sort of album cycle it was clear enough that you should make another record and that you should yeah. you you could do this yeah yeah and when did you sign with electra 2020 i did two records with them one is called yeah. shehron ke raaz yeah. which is a hindi ep Uh-huh. And then after that this last record which was released last year called The Way That Love Us Do. And there's a uh deluxe, a deluxe version coming out now. Coming out like next week actually, yeah. So The Way That Lovers Do this record was made 
outside of Seattle. Yeah. And you had sort of intended to bring your band over as well, yeah, yeah. but they weren't able to come. They yeah. had some visa problems or something. Yeah, yeah because of the pandemic. Yeah. So when did you record it? 2021? Yeah. You came over. You wanted to work with the producer who had worked on the Lumineers. Mm. You're working in the country outside of Seattle. Yeah. For all this English stuff, I end yeah. up coming here and doing it. Yeah. Just because there's so many more producers. Yeah. Where did you make Cold Mess? Uh, in New York, in Greenpoint, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, at a studio in Greenpoint. Which studio? Uh, I don't remember the name, actually. <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago, like 20, 2017 or something, I think. But that record, I mean, among other things, like that that track, Cold Mass, it was a huge hit. Yeah, that did really well. Yeah. Obama put it on his end-of-the-year yeah. playlist. Yeah, yeah. The video got a ton of... I yeah. mean, that was a big one. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh like by 2019, I think we put it out in 2018 and then it kind of like broke in 2019. Yeah. I mean, the only bummer about coming to Seattle was that I couldn't have my band with me there. And that was just unfortunate because it was like, we were going to get our visas renewed and I got mine done. And then I think like my band just like waited a week to like figure stuff out. And in that week, there was like massive shutdown in India because there was a big like like a new uh. wave in, in like March and April. And that just like derailed everything. And then like the embassy is like still kind of shut. Like it's still like an year to get an appointment to get a US visa in the in India right now. So what was the experience of making the record like then? So you went, you came over, you worked with musicians in Washington. You know, one of the things that I read was that there was something oddly liberating about being kind of sent over here alone and that it broke a lot of your habits. Yeah, it was just different. I mean, you know, I just had to like, it was just me and Ryan basically, yeah. you know, making yeah. all the creative calls versus usually I feel like uh, my drummer Nick Hill is there a lot, especially on the rhythmic side of stuff. Like, you know, he has a lot of inputs and there's just more people in the room usually, you know. Were the songs written in pandemic before pandemic? Did the pandemic... Bit of both. How did the pandemic change or shape your songwriting? I have no idea. I don't <laughs> think it like... Uh, I think my brain was pretty shut down during the pandemic. Because it was just for the first year, I was just kind of stressed because of everything. Uh, and I just wasn't writing that much, actually. I did write a little, but like I usually write a lot more compared to what I did during the pandemic. So, but yeah, there was a few songs I wrote... Like CO2 is from the pandemic. And how is your writing? changing now or what do you feel do you feel any kind of before and after with it or it's just kind of a continuation i don't know i, I don't know yeah I, I mean i get this asked a lot like is my writing changing like yeah. i don't know yeah <laughs> honestly it yeah. sounds like you on a certain level don't know and don't need to or want to know answers to these questions you just i would love to it. know <laughs> i really want to know the, the yeah. answers but i just cannot find them yeah the bilingual question, the accent question, the, the yeah, the I I don't know cultural identity. I don't know questions. even like the songwriting stuff. Yeah. I don't know, like uh, like because I ask get asked this a lot. Like, is it changing? And I honestly don't know. It's really hard to say. I mean, in some sense, it's not. 
but then if i look at my older songs and now like then it does feel like it has changed as well i, I guess I, you know do you feel like you know if something is good when you write it or that you think it's good when you write it sometimes yeah i mean i can know that it's good but again good is so subjective but good and to you i mean good to me yeah yeah there's definitely stuff that i write which i i fucking love yeah but that's not necessarily the stuff that you know everybody around me likes yeah. like the, my opinions around me will always be completely like you know not correlated to what i think of a song do you, you know? listen to them do you let them in outside but yeah i mean i have to in the sense like i can't help it because if i especially if i put out a song then you know but even if i don't put out a song it's like you know i do share my music with you know my friends and my family because a lot of people are just asking me oh, what are you working on so i'll play yeah. some stuff and then it's always like really mixed up <laughs> like you know sometimes i'll play a song that uh, i don't think much of and i'll get like crazy reactions like yeah. oh my god that's amazing yeah and other times i play something like oh this is like my new favorite song and they'll just be like oh like <laughs> the song that you put out during the pandemic with the video with everybody t- uh, responding mm-hmm. to a series of questions that you yeah. asked them yeah. it's in hindi the song yeah. so i don't yeah. know what the lyrics are i can yeah. only sort of intuit yeah. what the lyrics are yeah. but the prompts in the video are in english think back on your first yeah. kiss your first yeah. breakup yeah. your first this yeah. your first that that song is maybe has the biggest numbers of any of your songs. Yeah, that's numbers wise definitely my biggest song, yeah. And it's in Hindi. Mm. Is that a song that you had a strong feeling about before you put it out? I feel like I always really liked that song, yeah. yeah. When I it's called Kasoor. When I wrote it, I always really liked it, but that's one of the songs that in my immediate circle, yeah. no reactions. Not my manager, not my friends, not my family. Anybody? Who, I mean, people liked the song, but nobody ever said that like, "Oh my God, this is like gonna do really well," or like, "This is really great." And what do the lyrics say, more or less? Uh, it's a, it's a love song. It's yeah. a straight up love song. I mean, the the chorus line is like, "Kya kasoor hai mera," which means, "What is my fault?" And uh, I mean, the chorus starts with saying, "Tere zulfon ki ye nami ya tere aankhon ka ye nasha," which means it's kind of like romantic things about the person you're in love with, mm-hmm. like descriptive romantic physical things like. Akhokayonasha means like the intoxication mm-hmm. or or the fact that I get intoxicated by your eyes. Yes. What's what's you know what's how is it my fault? Yes. Like it's kind of like saying that like I'm so deeply in love with you, I can't help it. Yeah. You know, it's like how is it my fault is kind of like saying I can't help it. But in Hindi again it makes a lot more sense when you yes. say kya kasoor hai mera it like actually brings out the meaning that like you know I can't help falling in love with you basically. Yes. If I had to really translate it. So this was a song that you liked, but you didn't get any in- feedback around you saying like, this is a hit. Yeah, nobody ever was like, and not even at shows. Like we played it at shows a bunch of times. And I remember actually the first time I played it, like I was hoping, like I was excited about the song the very first time I played it. I can't remember where. And I was just like, there's just no reaction from the audience at all. <laughs> 
absolutely and we play like a biggish show like i think i remember like in the drawing i'm visually thinking about it like you know 500000 people and 500000 people no like around 500 to 1000 i see yeah not 500000 <laughs> people uh, yeah yeah so me kind of a medium medium big show yeah, yeah. medium big for, for me at the time yeah. which was like back in like you know bef- this is like before even gold mask came yeah. out and there were other songs that were popular that i played that people were like really reacting to and i had fans and like i played kasoor and like nobody i didn't feel any energy from the crowd and i don't know it just but when the video came out that's when it connected it started connecting weirdly like i did this one live performance like an interview with red bull or something mm-hmm. or like vice i think in mumbai and i played that song acoustically this song kasoor and then somebody like kind of ripped that version off and mm-hmm. put the audio on youtube and then that version kind of became a little popular like within my fan base a lot of people started asking for kasoor it wasn't like crazy or anything it's not mm-hmm. like it went viral but like there was definitely interest and uh, then when i finally put it out like actually people at first were really disappointed because i feel like everybody was expecting the acoustic version uh-huh. and i did this whole full band version yeah. so the first post i put up in the morning <laughs> saying that kasoor is out on streaming there's so many comments just being like oh man what have you done like you know this is not the acoustic version i don't like the claps you don't like the drums like a lot of people were really disappointed and then by the evening the video dropped and this the video just ev- immediately went viral yeah the video is very emotional i yeah. mean and the response of all the people to you know it's it's very effective the way it's done yeah it's interesting that you got that response about acoustic particularly because on this new deluxe version of the your record mm. you are adding acoustic arrangements mm-hmm. of some of the songs on the record and i've seen a lot of video of you alone with the guitar and it's it's very powerful you alone with the guitar yeah. you know you make records that are beautifully produced but there is something quite direct about your voice and the guitar and the way you play guitar and the simplicity of the songs that i think does just reach straight into the center of people's yeah. responses yeah it's you know it's another mystery like i don't really know because again a lot of my most popular songs are actually very produced like <laughs> kasoor and cold mess and <coughs> yeah tum jab pass on this record co2 is doing really well and at the same time like the shows my shows in india do really really well i do really big productions in my shows actually there's yeah. a full band and stuff there is definitely like it's kind of like the roots of my artistry because i i start with writing everything on the guitar yes so in a room if you're just sitting and i play a song it sounds really nice i don't know even i feel more comfortable actually when i'm just playing without any like in ears yeah. just guitar and voice like i feel like i can hear myself better emote better tere hawale hai zindagi meri tere ujale se sab raahe hain yahan apne naseeb ka main badshah nahi tu meri sham hai tu hi meri subah so what are you working on now just writing just trying to like write as much as i can honestly i feel like over the pandemic i lost a little bit of my like writing muscle which means that just you know when you're just like in a flow of writing regularly it just comes really quickly then like you suddenly just you start writing a lot more it's like you get into that momentum 
and i took a bit of a break during the pandemic and it was it was like a weird time and a lot happened with me and stuff so it was an interesting time in general and then when i got back to it i found myself you know just not writing the same way i did you know with that same level of frequency so i've been trying to like build that muscle back over the last year or something i think you do have an answer to the question has your writing changed then because there there it is i mean your relationship with writing has changed maybe the product won't be discernibly different maybe it will but i mean y- you've just said it and i've heard this a lot from a lot of songwriters mm-hmm. also that some writers say that by losing regular performance they lost contact with their audience you know and when mm-hmm. you lose the feedback from the audience you almost forget who you're writing for you know or forget what that is that's what some people have suffered from maybe yeah it's easy to start to gather even a sort of self expectation well i've really got to beat or meet the work that i did before yeah i feel like i've already gone through that curve <laughs> I think it happened like through the pandemic and yeah. through like 21 and 22 where yeah. I was just like I had this kind of pressure yeah and then eventually I just I'm still working on it but I'm trying to like let go of that yeah. because it's just I don't know I'd I mean it's just I I just feel like the older I get the results are not really in your control mm-hmm. beyond a point all you can really do is like attach yourself to the process and uh, that's like the most sustainable way of living like a life that is you know something you can be like grateful for and like a life that you actually enjoy living yes. otherwise it can get really you can get really in your head and then it's not fun you know like if you're not writing for fun then what's the point of anything because literally like we become artists to it really like write a song and get a kick out of it and like make music that we feel really proud about and i think if you attach yourself too much to the success or the result of a song uh and it's hard not to actually let me just say that it's not like it's easy to just not attach yourself you just end up without even knowing and i've been there and it's not fun like it's not then it just kind of kills the fun out of the the whole process of like being a musician. Yes. And is that the goal is to have fun? I think the goal is to just like I mean, I think it sounds very uh, trivial when yeah. you say just have fun. No, no, uh, I know when I say it I, I it sounds that it's reductive, but I think maybe the goal is in in part to find a way to have fun. I think it's a bit more yeah. complicated. The goal is a bit more complicated. Yeah. But I think like the having fun part is an yeah. aspect of you know sustainability. Yes, like just being able to keep going forward and be happy about yourself and yes. be content with yourself and what you're doing. But I think the goal is a lot more. Like, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, I mean, just really finding like understanding people better. Yes, like for me, like that's one thing that I'm really fascinated about in general is just like how people and emotions and human beings operate and what are our motivations and what we do. Like, it's almost like. I'm pretty fascinated by like psychology and like motivation and stuff. Art and culture is really deeply tied to that. Like how we are reacting to things, what do, what do we like, what do we don't like is such yeah. a big indicator of the kind of you know the the unified thought process of a country or the world even, you know. So I think songwriting that that's something links to it because that's why certain songs I think get popular because they touch you yes. somewhere. you know yeah i i found myself thinking about that and I, 
listening to your music and I also think about it with my own music and other music and just in general. It, it happened to me during COVID where I thought, what are we supposed to write about right now? I mean, like the world is shut down. There's a global pandemic. That, and that was just the most immediate and obvious example of something that is evident if we choose to tune into it at any moment, which is that the world is a terrible place. There, there's all kinds of pain. There's suffering. The, the, the planet is, is, is suffering itself. There's, in your own country, there's enormous poverty. Mm-hmm. There's incredible economic di- di- division. And we're going to sit here and write a love song. You know, and yet at the same time, like the human spirit is constantly drawn to that emotional reality. Yeah. And we can't all just sit around writing songs about global warming. And at the same time, you know, the, the responsibility of the popular songwriter is a, is a real thing, I think, in terms of w- what people need and how to reach them. I, I, I don't agree with that, actually. I think like artists should write what like they want to write. <laughs> Because ultimately, like, it's a really slippery slope where you, it's just, human beings are too complicated to figure out what they're going to need, actually. We all have our own part to play. And we'll all play our different parts. And like, you know, someday if I'm really uh, feeling deeply about global warming, I know that like a song is just going to come out, you know. And that's the same thing with like everything. And for whatever reason... Uh, that my my life is a certain way that I feel strongly about certain things. And it keeps changing, actually. Yes. So what I write today will be very different from what I write five years from now. Yes. And uh, and what people need also, like, it's just, it's not that simple that just because there's a pandemic, people want to hear about the pandemic, yeah. you know. They might not. They might actually want to hear about anything other than the pandemic. Well, absolutely. And, and, so, tr- and you can't predict that or know that. Yes. So it's just... I think it's like a fool's errand to try and do that. I don't disagree. It was more of a, it was more of a question. I think I started to have, mm. especially at the beginning. Like, does the world need my song right now? You know, I mean, I might need to write it, but does the world need to hear it? It just sort of, it amplified my my question about the role of art, which leads us back to this question of is the priority to have fun and enjoy yourself? And on some level, I think it is. It is, or maybe it's just to be the authentic version of yourself, just to yeah. represent yourself truth. That's, that's kind of what I mean by fun, I think. Yeah. I think that's a better, I think yeah. you put it in a good way, like, I think it's to, like, give yourself a little bit, you know? And Yes. But if you try to do that, then it defeats the whole purpose. Yes. I think, Jai, just being vulnerable and being kind of honest with your writing you end up just giving away a little bit of yourself and contributing in yes. some way. And that, I mean, I never started doing this and writing, you know, with the purpose that like, I want to like change the world or yeah. like have, you know, make people feel something. Yeah. I wrote stuff that I felt really strongly about. Yes. I think that's what is in some ways part of the, um, the complexity that artists face. I think very few artists start out by saying, I'm going to change people's lives. It's like you, you, you heard Elliot Smith. The next thing you know, you're writing songs, you Mm. move to India, you make a record because it's your, you have a kind of a need to do this. Mm. And when other people become affected by it, then you're entering into this kind of dialogue with the audience between your need to express and their need to receive or their desire to receive. And that I think is when, you know, when you really start to enter into a, 
a larger conversation with your audience. Yeah, it's complicated, man, because there's a lot of musicians who actually function like that, or at least say they function yeah. like that. You know, where they're like, like they want to save the world. Don't save the world, or like they're making music for like you know their audiences only and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of pop music is like that. It seems like it's really analytically like constructed to yes, you know, hit a certain nerve. Yeah. But I mean, it just goes back to that same thing that I was saying. I mean, at least for my own sanity, is something my dad used to say that like you know, focus on the journey and not the mm. destination. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to kind of like be present on a day to day basis. and fundamentally that's what what it means to be writing for the sake of writing you know mm. versus for any other purpose at all yes and if you're writing for the sake of writing then you don't really care what it's doing to the world or is not doing to the world and i feel like when it comes to me and my responsibility as an artist that goes to like my live shows and a lot of other stuff that i do you know of what i represent like of what i'm saying out there in the public how how responsible i am as a person how am i with my fans in public how i and i feel like my live shows are a, are a big way of kind of like because i know like people love coming to that you know yes. so when i'm on stage like i am like my fans yeah. i want to make sure i give them the best show possible because people have come out there and you know paid for tickets and hiked up to like a venue far away and gone through all this crowd and I know it's really hard because I've been to concerts yes. and it's like you know I go to my concerts where it's my favorite artists playing and it's sometimes it's really hard you know sometimes it's easy cuz it's a small venue but you go to like a big concert and like it's really tough you know yes it's a lot of time commitment and stuff and then you want to have like a great time so I feel like it's my responsibility to do that so I try to come through on that as much as I can but for me like my writing like that's that's my time you know and i feel like i want to keep it that way yes know? pratik thank you for sharing some of your journey with me today yeah, and for, for being sure. in the moment it was really a pleasure to talk to you yeah same here man thanks for having me there he was my friends pratik kuhat what an incredible story i'll be back in your headspace again for another deep dive before you know it until then i'll talk to you soon can this be painless this has been a wbgo studios production To learn more about WBGO Studios award-winning podcasts, special concerts, live streams and more, visit wbgo.org/studio.